I'm Arlen Hamilton, and this is Your First Million. I'm a venture capitalist. I started my fund Backstage Capital from the ground up while I was on food stamps. I have now invested in more than 100 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBT founders. After having raised more than $10 million, people often ask me how I did it. I created this podcast so I could tell you my story and so that together we could go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first million. And who knows, maybe I'll reach my first million in personal capital while I'm recording this series. There's only one way to find out. This episode is brought to you by Digital Ocean. Let's go. Hello, it's Ireland again, always. Uh, And this is a bonus episode. Uh, If this is your first time listening to a bonus episode, it's really simple. Um, I will either use this to uh, interview someone on the fly, something that was not scheduled, like I did with Brian Grazer, the producer, or my fiance, Anna. And you can hear those episodes just by looking for them in this series. Or I'll use them, like I'm going to do right now, to expand on a topic and just kind of riff. Um, there's no, there are no notes, um, no real plan, and I just press record and start talking. So what I wanted to do this time was um, pull, pull a little bit of the thread of this, uh, the current episode that's coming out the same day, which is Irma's episode, where, um, you know, I think, first of all, go back and listen now or go back and listen after this this bonus episode because Irma is awesome. And in the episode, we talk about both of us being hella gay, wicked gay, super gay, toads gay. And we talk about it openly and freely. And I'm 38 and I'm very used to doing that. But sometimes I forget that not everyone who is in the LGBTQ community um, can speak as openly about their identity or their um, people, someone who they love or how they feel, who they're attracted to, what their life is like in their um, own companies or around people that they work with every day. And a lot of people can, you know. So I just thought. Uh, actually, um, Anna, who's my fiance, I'll say it again. <laughs> and then when we get married, I'm going to call her my wife all the time. She is uh, the main producer for this podcast. So she edits each episode and she produces each episode along with uh, the rest of uh, a wonderful team. And she she is the one who suggested I talk a little bit more about this. Now, obviously, if I'm engaged to a woman named Anna, I'm hella gay or hella something, right? So I thought about it and the way that it was brought up in the episode was we were talking about how, you know, being a lesbian or being gay as a woman may have influenced the confidence that she, that Irma and I seem to have in business. And where, where did it come from? And um, was it always there? Did we have to build it to kind of live in our own skin? And how do we use it in business? And because I want most of these bonus episodes that I do in this particular podcast to be about 
helping you get your first million while I get my first million. Um, I'm sure there's a way to tie that in. And I think, I think it just comes down to being authentically yourself. I think that anybody can relate to that. You don't have to be, you don't have, if you're like some dude, some straight dude, don't, you don't have to turn this off. There's probably going to be something for you too, because I think it's just about being yourself and being identified. Right. So I just said that I just said some straight dude, right. That's not who you are. You are Eric or Brad or Jamal or Steven or Jose, right? You're not just some straight dude. You are a person. And I think today, and I'm part of this, uh, you are usually put into a category along with a bunch of other straight dudes. Or if you're a white guy, a bunch of other white guys or men, men, those men. And, um, you know, frankly, this is what has happened to underrepresented people for you know, centuries. So it's not like, it's not like it's anything new, but it may be new to you. And it all goes back to us being authentically ourselves and being comfortable in our own skin, being confident, being, uh, feeling like we're being seen and heard and being able to do that and bring that self, yourself into your job. Because I guess for most people, their job or their career, or their gig is the majority of their life. So it, it, it's at least half of your, of your uh, wake, your woke, no, your, <laughs> your time awake. Right. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's important that you feel that you can be yourself. And I think that the reason that I've gotten to where I am, which is kind of far, but not as far as I want to go, and I think the reason I will go further is because I have been able to own my identity and not only um, be proud of it, but I, I kind of talk about it a lot and I, I champion it. And I'm very, you probably noticed that I'm like a big fan of championing yourself and being like your biggest cheerleader. And... It does come from that. So I'll talk a little bit about earlier days. Um, when I was younger, I was raised in a religion that did not think that gay people were human, basically. They thought that they were subhuman, that they were sinful animals, and that they were all going to die. And that's what I learned as I was growing up. And a lot of religions are like that. And um, I remember... Thinking, I remember being very um, sad for gay people. I didn't really understand what gay people were. I knew that they were men who kissed other men and women who kissed other women. That's kind of what I understood as a child. But I remember feeling so sad for them because I was learning every week at our version of church that they were going to die and they weren't going to make it. And, and I was learning that it was something that was like this, this demon that had taken over them and it sounded to me like they couldn't control it. So I wasn't quite sure why a God that we were um, worshiping would destroy these people, but I figured it had to do with them not him not this god not wanting these evil demon demon people to be uh contagious you know and i remember i was in high school i was probably in, no no i was in junior high so i was probably eighth grade 14 or so and i was in 
gym class, which is mostly story start. And there was this girl and she was, um, she didn't speak English very well. And I remember she would look at all the other girls in the, sh- like in the, in the gym, in the locker room and all the girls just really hated it or said they hated it. And I remember she looked at me and I was just like, all right, you know, don't do that. Cause I didn't want anybody looking at me, but it was, I wasn't mad at her. Right. And then, um, Something happened where she was actually hit in the face by this big bully, Tiffany, who used to be my bully too. Tiffany hit her in the face for some reason. So she ran out of the locker room crying. And I remember that day we had a substitute teacher uh, for, for a substitute coach. So she ran out and her face was all red from crying and from the hit. And people were laughing. And I just... As this deeply religious, indoctrinated person, my instincts just came out, and I just ran after her because I I was like, this is a human who's in pain and humil- humiliated and in physical pain and doesn't have a, a, a easy time expressing herself in English. I'm going to go see if she's okay. So I ran into the bathroom with her, and I just kind of like made like, you know, kind of touched her face and made her understand that I was being friendly and that, and that I was sorry that whatever happened just happened. And I can still see her face. And this would have been almost 25 years ago. I can still see those tears and the redness in her face from being so embarrassed. And, um, I remember it was that moment. It was that experience that made me understand that I could not, no matter what I was being taught or what I was learning was the right thing to do, quote unquote, I could not hate this person. I could not find it within me to hate her, even though what I knew about her was that she was looking at other girls and that she was a sinner, quote unquote, and that she was the, th- the thing I was supposed to be running from, running for the heels. In that moment, she was a crying little girl who had just been hurt by someone who was a bully and someone who uh, most likely had her own issues. And and she was being ostracized and um, judged because of this thing. And at the time, I did not at all know or think that I liked women. Uh, I don't remember having those thoughts until later in high school. So it was just strictly wow, like I I can't, I can't make myself hate her. I'm supposed to hate her. I'm supposed to think she sucks. I'm supposed to think she's a sinner. And none of those emotions or thoughts or feelings were coming to coming to the fore. And so I really thought about it, you know, as this 14, 14 year old, I believe, I really reflected on it and contemplated like, why don't I feel that way? And, and what is it? So I started making these decisions. Like I'm going to, I'm going to treat her like I treat everyone else. I'm going to treat anyone who um, expresses that the same. She ended up having to go to a different school because all kinds of hell broke loose with her. Uh, I did rat out Tiffany, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've been, I mean, I'm a narc, you know, <laughs> like I can't help myself. See something, say something. I just couldn't when the, when the coach came back and she was like, yeah, uh, I can't remember the girl's name. She was like, yeah, she said, she claims someone hit her here and then blah, blah, blah. And she was on, she was on Tiffany's side and the bully side. And I was like, uh-uh. So after school, 
Tiffany told everybody, if you tell on me, she came up to me at a bus stop once. She's like, if you tell anybody, I'm going to punch you too. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so then I went and told Coach who is probably still at I went and told Coach that Tiffany had, in fact, hit this girl. I knew it. We all knew it. We saw it. And that she was telling the truth. And I was just like ready to take my lumps. I was like, Tiffany's going to kick my ass after school. I better get used to getting hit in the face. I got to wonder what that feels like. So I was like, I took a, uh, I had like a, a or this is getting really <laughs> like a therapy, but I truly, I had an orange and I put it against my face. And I said, I wonder, and I kind of hit my, I didn't hit it hard, but I kind of pressed against the orange. And I was like, okay, right. that's like a fist. I can take it. She might hurt me, but I'm going to take it. So I told Tiffany got in trouble. I saw Tiffany like a week later at the bus stop. She didn't do nothing to me. And I don't know if she knew if I told her or not, but she was, uh, she'd gotten in trouble. And after that, I wasn't afraid of Tiffany anymore. Tiffany couldn't hurt me because I knew how much, I knew the limits for her, right? So um, in high school, I went on and, and uh, I, uh, there was this boy at school who was bullied uh, so poor, so badly. But he had the softest hands in the world. And again, as this religious child, this upbringing I had, I had to ask him, what lotion do you use? What is your skin, like your skin regimen? What are you doing? What's your moisturizing uh, situation? And so we would have those conversations. We would say hi in the halls. People would make fun of him. He would wear makeup. And I just was drawn to him. And over time... Um, I started understanding that I was super gay. I mean, as soon as the Brazilian exchange student walked into my science class in the ninth or 10th grade, it was done. We were over. It was, uh, it was a done deal. I understood. I was like, why do I, why is her hair flowing in slow motion right now? What is going on? And I had had a boyfriend before that and he was all right. I don't know. So that has nothing, none of that has anything to do with the career or making a million dollars. But I wanted to set the stage of how my life was. I came out to my mom. Um, she actually came out to me. <laughs> I mean, she told me I was gay by uh, walking into my bedroom at 15 or 16 and saying, looking around the room in a dramatic fashion and finally saying that she was looking for my Ellen DeGeneres poster. And this would have been 96 where Ellen had come out. And so it was her way of saying she knew. And that has been, uh, that has been a trip since. And um, I think it was around that time with the girl who got hit and the guy and like openly being friendly with him, even though he was getting physically hurt um, and knowing that it could happen to me and then I then coming out in a in a um, coming out in a uh, an essay in my sociology class in 10th or 11th grade um, I think all of that set me up for I am not going to be able to be this gay this proud and understanding of myself quietly is probably going to be a loud and proud situation because 
not because of me, but because of the other people that I saw who didn't have a voice. I mean, the first kind of real interaction I had with someone in real life, she quite literally couldn't speak her truth. She couldn't speak it to people around us who could who could hear her. And that is, I, I had to, in my view, uh, be 100% authentic because I was representing something. Years later, a girl uh, reached out to me who had been in that class where I did come out uh, in an essay in in high school, and she told me that she was gay and that in that room she was so proud and could not do it herself, but it really helped her. And I just saw her as, I remember she played soccer, which should have should have totally tipped me off, but I thought, well, she's just the girl next door. She was like blonde, girl next door, athlete, really good student. And of course she's straight. Like there was no reason that I would think she wasn't except for that damn soccer. And now that I think about it, Rapino. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to hear that, to actually hear those words years later, um, you know, it really, and this was after I had started a blog called Your Daily Lesbian Moment for years that tens of thousands of people read and many, many, many people talked about how they uh, felt community. I helped... Um, Dozens of couples find each other across the world, around the world. In fact, the company, this all ties together because, in fact, the company that I was going to start around 2013 that made me want to understand venture capital to begin with was a dating site called Juliet and Juliet for women who like women um, that was a little, uh, had a little twist to it as a dating site. And that was the company I was looking into like, oh, I want to start a company now that I understand what startups are. And then the more research I did, the more I understood, no, my calling here really is in um, making investments and, and, and helping other companies uh, succeed. So to have all of that history, but to hear this, uh, you know, from this woman that said, yes, something that you did did help was really uh, special. And it legitimized again and reinforced again what I had thought was the importance of speaking up and speaking out. I can tell you that all of that, the pain and the heartache and the being afraid and the even facing sort of physical uh, retribution as a as an, a teenager and then as an adult holding hands with a girlfriend in a certain city, a certain part of town or a certain country, all of that has been worth it. Not only because I've been able to, in some cases, speak where others can't speak, but also because I think that any success that you think I have or see that I have um, has come from that. If I were not openly gay, if I weren't, if I were hiding that, I wouldn't be happy. So I wouldn't exude confidence. And if I didn't exude confidence and feel confident internally, I definitely couldn't have made the deals I've made. I couldn't have made the, 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 couldn't have executed the way I have been able to on my vision. None of that would have happened. So there, there's a, there's a real tie in to whatever that is for you. If that's, um, just, you know, kind of owning your nerdiness or owning your 
uh, eccentricities or owning your womanhood or owning your masculinity. But let's say you're a dude and like you like to paint your nails and that has nothing to do with your sexuality or who you are attracted to. But you're trying to like hide that because this other you've you've been trained this other way. Um, you know, just start thinking about ways that not being your full self or not being 100% yourself might be holding you back from some of the wins. Um, I can, I can honestly, I'm, I'm kind of racking my brain right now to see if there's anything that I have been having to mute or, um, you know, dilute in order to, to be me. And, you know, over the years, I've shed any of that, I think. I don't think there's anything I keep to myself, even down to like uh, needing to fist bump people rather than shake hands or liking to be by myself a lot. I I like being by myself more than I like being with people just because uh, I have a lot of sensitivities and I used to hide that because I didn't want to be seen as weird. But now it's just like, you know what? Life is short. Um, Remember who you are. Do what you got to do. Harm, you know, harm no no one else. There's no reason to harm anyone else. But as long as you're you're not doing any harm and you're you're making uh, adult uh, decisions and everyone is consenting, do you? Right? Do you? There's a lot of footnotes and asterisks and everything in that, but it's true. Like I don't want to. I don't want you out there hurting anybody, but. Uh, I just meet too many grown adults who are asking people for permission to be themselves. And it's, it's infuriating. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. I like logic. I'm a big fan of logic. All right. So I I honestly don't know if this was helpful. It sounded like it wasn't. (laughs) It was helpful to me. I got a lot out. And um, it's a little bit of a taste of what we'll talk about in the book that I'm writing. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll bring it all back. I'm writing a book. Uh, I can't tell you the title yet. We're going to announce that later in the year. But I am writing a book. I have a book deal that I got in February on uh, on Random House Currency. And I can't wait. It's going to come out in 2020. I'm almost done with it. And we talk a lot about like um, parts of... like I'm doing it with my co-writer, Rachel Nelson, who's a friend of mine. And we talk a lot about parts of my life and and it's not a memoir but it is gonna tie into to ways that you can take that into uh into your life as a as a op, an operator or an investor or a mother or uh, a dreamer or any of those things and I hopefully don't ramble as much as I just did in it but it is I mean it it all comes down to our individual stories that's why you're listening to this podcast if you made it to the end of this episode this is a great experiment because I really don't know exactly what resonates you do come up to me from all over the country and in other countries and say that you're listening you quote me um so I appreciate that but if you're listening to this right now and you've made it all the way to the end and um you are there. I want you to do, I want you to tweet me at Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here. Either tweet me or leave a comment on Instagram. And I want you to say grapefruit. That's the code. We did this uh, in a couple of other episodes of our, of our backstage podcast and it was a lot of fun. So if you hear this, 
you're going to say grapefruit to me. And uh, that's how I'll know that you listened. And, you know, be candid. Let me know because there's a lot of weeks ahead and I'm going to be doing a lot of bonus episodes. So if this was helpful to you, let me know. If it wasn't, let me know. Be honest because we can kind of tweak it and talk about what you want to talk about. Um, Sometimes I'll have topics that I'll just be drawn to and sometimes I'll answer questions that you all send in. So keep sending, sending those questions in. I'm seeing them and, uh, and I really appreciate you. This has been me talking to myself for 23 minutes, but I feel like I'm talking to you right now. Whoever you are, I feel like I'm talking right to you. Honestly, uh, this is part of, uh, Oh, I don't want to get weird, but like part of why I get up every day is is the connection with other people that I've been able to have over the past few years, and especially the last year. This connection has been very special to me, and it's something that fuels me and has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with uh, uh, acknowledgement. It's a very intimate and personal and one-on-one thing. And even though there's not enough time in the day or the year to talk to everybody or to say everything I want to everyone, please know that if you're listening to these words, you have a special part uh, in my life. You really, really do. Even if we never, ever talk to each other, you are appreciated and you're seen and you matter. And um, it, it keeps me going. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go now before I do my Oscar speech and, you know, keep being you. Whether that's gay, like me and Irma, or not. Bye, everybody. Hey, so I'd love to talk to you and keep the conversation going. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Arlen was here. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. Stick around too, because I will let you know when my new book is going to be in pre-order. Now that's coming out in uh, 2020. It'll be out as the real book. Oh my goodness. And it'll be you'll be able to pre-order it most likely this year. So stay tuned. I'll let you know all about that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on this podcast. Thank you again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode of Your First Million, get in touch with me. Um, right now, it's super easy to do so. You just email me at arlenhamilton at gmail. That's A-R-L-A-N-H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N at gmail.com and uh, put in the subject that you want to that you're thinking about sponsoring and I'll give you some more information Um, this is a really highly engaged audience really really uh, educated either through traditional means or through grit and tenacity or a little bit of both and uh, yeah these are the people you want to be talking to you got you got aspiring founders you've got in the trenches founders you've got aspiring angel investors and active angel investors you've also got venture capitalists you've also got limited partners and then you have people who are listening in to learn all about what all of that means and so it's a really interesting group of people check it out thank you again digital ocean for sponsoring your first million is produced and edited by anna eichenauer and senior producer brian landers Additional audio mixing and mastering by Alfred Rook Hamilton. Additional production by Chacho Valadez. Executive producer, Arlen Hamilton.